Welcome to the APT Comics Podcast, episode 171. That's 171. My name is David Brook, and I'm here with Colin Moon. Colin, guest host. How you doing? Pretty good. I uh, I feel a little like second Becky right now, though. Wait, explain so. that. Tell me your emotions behind that. <clears throat> well, it's hard because I wasn't here for the first several seasons, so I don't mm. remember what my character motivations are. <laughs> your motivations are to give us the, the best insights into the weekly news, tell us your favorite comic books, and then help me... Because I am useless in these interviews. Help me interview our special guest, Kyle Starks, who's on to talk about I Hate This Place, which is out in just three days, May 18th. Can you do that? Can you do that? I have middling feelings that I might be able to, yes. I just like your excitement and your energy. The vibe is really strong. Yeah, I uh, I really exude uh, exclamation points. So if you don't know, Colin is actually uh, one of our biggest reviewers on AAPTcomics.com. You you pump out some, like what, five trade paperback reviews every week, it seems like? Yeah, pretty much anything that uh, that I don't feel like you need to be burdened with. <laughs> yeah, he's basically my Sherpa, and he's trying to take that weight off of me. Uh, where can people find you if they want to find any of your writing or any anything else you're up to? Oh, I should have looked up my socials. At Colin Moon is a good guess. Uh, <laughs> any of your at the the Instagrams and the the tweet bots and everything. The, the Facebooks. If not at Colin Moon, then at Colin Reed Moon because I'm fancy. Oh wow! Look at that a last name. Rich, rich in vowels. There are a lot of vowels ahead in this show as we peer into the past. We look at the biggest news of the week. And we're going to start with some sad news, uh, unfortunately, because uh, if you don't know, George Perez, comics legend, passed away at 67 last Friday um, after the last episode's recording. Um, huge loss. Uh, it, was, it wasn't it was necessarily a surprise. We all knew he was sick for the last five months and he had, um, you know, really bad cancer of some kind. And yet... I mean, everybody was on Twitter and, and on social media expressing their love and admiration and um, and the loss of an incredible comics titan. It was sort of sweet to see uh, leading up to his death um, the, the social media pictures of mm. other creators and writers uh, visiting him in the hospital and I think it's pretty fantastic that he got to see a new printing of JLA Avengers. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, the community did its best to send him off in the sweetest way possible. There's still a, in June, DC is going to be printing a double page of all of these superheroes along with George, each superhero drawn by a different artist in every single issue. It's also going to be a variant cover for dark crisis um, so DC has already had this set up before he passed away to celebrate his birthday, um, which just makes it sadder in a different light. But it's so cool that DC is just doing as much as they can to honor him. They had him at the headquarters a couple months ago. They, were, they posted all these pictures of him amongst like Wonder Woman statues and stuff. So um, what a loss. Uh, definitely pick up something at, at your local comic shop this weekend if you're there to uh, buy George Perez if you haven't. There will be 
you know, hundreds of thousands of comics in there, probably. Yeah, he drew he, he drew had a something lot. to do with. Yep, yep. Without him, we wouldn't have had, uh, you know, the snap. We wouldn't have had uh, Infinity Gauntlet. Just one of many. Sort of madness is what that is. In other comics news, uh, Substack tried to pull off a Cyber Monday style free comic book day on Monday. Actually, two of, of those previews are on AIPT exclusively for I Hate Fairyland uh, by Scotty Young and Tales from the Farms new series uh, by Jeff Lemire. Uh, I just thought it was fun, sort of fascinating. So Free Comic Book Day was Saturday, if you didn't know, last week. And, and since Substack is digital, a digital comics platform for some, uh, to do a Cyber Monday style free comic book day was, was fascinating and interesting to me. A lot of these sub stacks had previews on their site as well as published amongst comic book sites like us. So I don't know how successful it is. It seems like a lot of people didn't even know what was happening. I honestly have no idea what's happening on Substack unless you're telling me what's happening on Substack. Right. So <laughs> this did not make any waves for me at all. Yeah, I didn't even find out about it until, I'm, I'm not kidding, um, a PR person reached out to me Friday at like 7 or 8 p.m., uh, you know, and they were like, hey, we're doing this thing, you want to be part of it? I was like, sure. But like, maybe like hype it up a couple weeks before so people will know, but maybe it'll be an annual thing now, I don't know. It's sort of hard coattails to ride when people are carrying yeah. home stacks of like free Sonic book comics. That's true, that's true. And possibly the biggest news that shocked the world this week. I don't know how Marvel did it, but Amazing Fantasy number 1000 was announced. Uh, somehow they skipped hundreds of numbers to get to Amazing Fantasy number 1000, which I saw a lot of people angry about on Friday. Uh, this is a special uh, one-shot exercised anthology that celebrates Spider-Man's 60th anniversary, which is this year. And it's got creators like Neil Gaiman, Jim Chung, Michael Cho, Dan Slott, Terry Dodson, Rainbow Rowell, Kurt Busiek, Jonathan Hickman. Oh my God, the X-Men connoisseur. Uh, big celebration issue. What do you think about this, Colin? I feel like everybody who haven't read the last several hundred issues of Amazing Fantasy just need to buckle down like, i mean the rest of us got through them you that's know? true that's true they're not all great but certainly 1000 is going to be a pretty stellar issue issue 669 was really good i mean it's a classic what's interesting right about up there with those other spider-man classics like the <laughs> venoms and the um uh-huh. the the black black cat thefts black cat yep black cat venom was also good i like that one uh, so, so I saw some argument that, you know, DC comics has been publishing longer than Marvel. So they've got a thousand issues for some of their series, like detective comics or action comics. Is this Marvel trying to like, look, we have a thousand issues too, even though it's completely not true. Like what's going on here? Why are we doing a thousand? Like, is this the new number zero issue? Remember like in the nineties, like every issue, every series had like a number zero issue. I mean, it's better than a minus one issue. Um, that's true. The, uh, it's, it's strange though, because they could have easily, I know this wouldn't be a Spider-Man celebration, but like Marvel comics came out in the forties. There would have been a ton of, uh, of issues of that to legacy number. That's true. That's um, true. Maybe that's next year. 
a celebration of Namor, which is something that nobody is anticipating. No, although I did see Kevin Feige say something about how they were thinking about Namor being in Doctor Strange, but they pulled it because they have big plans for him. Are the plans to give him pants, do you think? God, no. He's got to be an Adonis. More skin than clothes. That's what I say. As gleaming as possible. They got to get so much baby oil on that guy that he's a slippery. He's so slippery they can't even get him on film. The film slips off as it shoots him. That is the dream. That <laughs> is the peak MCU dream. Speaking of film, uh, Marvel announced a limited series, Edge of Spider-Verse, clearly made to coincide with the uh, upcoming Spider-Verse sequel movie. This one's got Dan Slott, Alex Segura, Carla Pacheco all writing and uh, Mark Bagley drawing along with some other artists uh, exploring the Spider-Verse. But even bigger news, which I can't find all of a sudden. So Colin, you talk. Well, the big news is uh, as if I have this queued up and ready to go. Oh, Uh, they have the end of Spider-Verse coming next or sorry later this year the end of spider-verse so they're if they've already had two spider-verse events now they're going to end it the it's been a long walk um to reach one end from the other i'm sure (laughs) i can't believe that that's possibly true though um with all of the current hype of multiverse stories to be like, well, we're done with Spider-Man. Let's go tell some multiverse elsewhere. There were some uh, reveals as far as new Spider-Verse characters like Hunter Spider, which is basically Craven with the Spider-Man costume, um, Night Spider by Chris Anka, and Spider-Laird, designed by Martin Coccolo. So based on the fact that Marvel's showing us new Spider-Man designs, Spider-Man character designs, I guess the big selling point is, guess what? There's even more Spider-Man out there. I mean, I I feel like supporting those movies in any way to yeah. add the zaniest possible casts. Mm. Uh, if we could get a Spider the Duck to hang out with Spider-Pig in the next episode or that'd the next good. movie, I feel like that'd be pretty solid. Spider the but Duck. But I'm like just it. any more talking ducks in any media and I'm a fan what about in like er or like Grey's anatomy yeah i mean i would totally watch those shows more uh <laughs> had there been ducks that's true if moon knight you know, was a duck must, even i mean he's got to be somewhere right <laughs> speaking of different ducks in a row idw has added three new editorial uh people including jamie s rich to their lineup of editorial team jamie s rich is uh was recently, well, semi-recently, made editor-in-chief of Tapas Media, which is um, a small publisher you may not have heard of. Uh, But he's moving on up to IDW. Uh, IDW is historical in a sense of this podcast because when we started this podcast over two years ago, all the news every week was IDW is messing up. IDW screwed up. Oh, my God, IDW has no money. Oh, now they have $20 million. It was crazy. And now there's all these upheaval again. Uh, for instance, Skybound uh, snagging a couple of the licensed series that they're going that they have been publishing for years and years. Um, but this sounds like good news for IDW that they can get someone like Jamie S. Rich, who's very reputable. I mean, if you went on Twitter when this news was announced, so many comics writers were really excited. I'm I'm interested to see 
like a, a bolstering of IDW to make them sort of more recognizable to people who aren't fans, who aren't going into shops. Because whenever I bring up an IDW title to a friend, they have no idea what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So any forward movement by any editorial would be helpful, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's been almost a year since I think Mark Doyle was hired and like he's acclaimed Scott Snyder attributes him to a lot of this uh, success with Batman. Uh, but, you know, they're mostly known for their stuff like Transformers and G.I. Joe, which is I mean, I think there's like three Transformers books next week, for instance. They've really been pushing that, but they're going to lose it to Skybound. So they got to get their act together soon. Yeah. Uh, any of the plastic money they can get. uh Speaking of getting your act together, Die the RPG launched this week and already made it, met its uh, goals way past it, actually. Uh, this is uh, based on Kieran Gillen and Stephanie Hahn's uh, very uh, successful and reputable series, Die, at Image Comics, which I, th- want, I think it won a BAFTA award uh, last year. And it's actually coming to an end very soon, but uh, this RPG looks quite cool. Have you checked it out yet, Colin? Oh, I fully have. I am very you, excited about this. Even though I'm not a big... I am. Um, I'm going to get a big old fancy book. <laughs> uh, everything about the die world is so deeply compelling to me that even if I'm not going to play the game, you know, I want to mm-hmm. read it. Um, and it's insane because when they launched the Kickstarter, they had like three stretch goals or something up yeah and by the time that they thought to add more stretch goals they had already passed another like three of them um so i'm not alone in wanting to read more about that world yeah their goal was thirty six thousand dollars and they've at as of this writing as of this recording it's at two hundred thirty nine thousand dollars like whoa that's a lot of that's a lot of clamps I wonder if the uh, if these sales will translate to the uh, hardcover of the series they announced a while back. Mm, you're right. Yeah, there's some cross promotion. Um, be sure to check aptcomics.com next week. Uh, we'll run an interview with Karen Gillen and talk all about this game, how it's different from other RPGs, and whether or not you need to read or sorry play it in order to get the full reading experience. Lots of lots of answers. That interview, like much like 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 much like most interviews, <laughs> like the interview later with Kyle Starks, <laughs> lots of answers. I mean, we can hope. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe the recording has been deleted, and I won't be able. To, you won't be able to listen to it. Who knows? You're gonna have to find out. But keep listening. Uh, in our next bit of news, Dark Horse Comics is launching a new adventure, spy space adventure called Navigator, coming out January 2023. When you start to see solicit information for the next year. You know you're almost at the halfway point of your year, and that's how I tell time, based on solicits. Yeah, I, I didn't realize it was, you know, May until uh, you posted this story the other day. That's true, that's so. true. <laughs> this one's uh, interesting in that it's uh, by Academy Award winner and director John Bruno, who did the visual effects for Avatar, Terminator 2, and The Abyss. That is... Um... It's strange because I I recently uh, I reread or rather read for the first time uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey. Yeah. And 
reading that, which also has something to do with a moon of Jupiter, um, or no, they're, they're Saturn. At any rate, uh, reading that makes me want to watch, obviously, 2001 A Space Odyssey, but also The Abyss for some reason. Something about mm. that, like, isolated, in the middle of nowhere, uh, even if it's underwater, that movie's pretty incredible to me. So this is a, this is definitely a peek at, at the store when it comes out sort of book. Can I ask you a question, Colin? Yes. What does horror, satanic metal, and fast food have in common? Uh, my 20s. <laughs> no, you're wrong. Well, maybe you're right. But I don't know. I don't know enough about you. Uh, <laughs> they all are detailing an upcoming book called True Cult. But you got to spell it T-R-V-E. Next word. K-V-L-T. I said earlier in the show that there's a lot of vowels. Not with this title. Missing vowels. True cult. You were lying all along. <laughs> True Cult is a new IDW series coming from Scott Brian Wilson with art by Liana Kangas. Uh, looks pretty cool. We don't have a lot of info besides some title, uh, some covers and one interior page. But uh, like we said earlier, IDW, maybe this is the year of IDW. Maybe not. But looks pretty neat. Um, yeah, as a storied restaurant worker, it's it speaks to me. <laughs> This is your new altar for you. This is like your new religion, this book. I mean, it's a cult, so there you go. what else am I going to do? I know, seriously. Speaking of cults, if you like Human Target, boy, oh boy, the cult's about to get a new chapter. It's called Tales of the Human Target. It's an anthology one-shot coming out August 23rd, which is coming out uh, two or three weeks after this book returns. Human Target is on a pretty lengthy hiatus, a series by Tom King and Greg Smallwood. Uh, Greg Smallwood and, and, and Tom King are going to be uh, contributing to this anthology along with Mikhail Janin, Rafael Albuquerque, Kevin McGuire. Uh, sounds pretty cool because if you like The Human Target, which is set at a time where he just found out he was poisoned and he needs to figure out who who's the killer who's trying to kill him, well, this is set before that, so we get to see some adventures with uh, Christopher Chance uh, before he was worrying about dying. I think that nothing illustrates uh tom king's ability to resurrect a property yeah uh than this one i mean this was a television show that i didn't know existed um it had its moment and now it's already back and getting spinoffs so that's pretty incredible the sales must be insane king, i guess tom king just pushes pushes sales huh i mean him I, you can't go wrong with smallwood either but it's clearly it's King's 12 issue remastering of a, of an old mm. property that probably drew people to this book, even if they didn't care about the human target. I interviewed him in a written interview on APT a couple months ago before the book started human, human target. And I asked him, you know, did, are you a Mad Men fan? And at the time he said, Oh, well I was actually watching Mad Men while I was writing this. <laughs> I was like, oh, there you go. That that nails the look and the feel. Yeah, it's uh, it's got its whole aesthetic wrapped up in a bow of that book. Smoking and uh, scotch. That's 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 my solicit for Human Target. Well, I mean, it's it's close. It's it's only six of the twelve issues are scotch and smoking. Colin, do you ever look out the window and think, God, I wish there was a throne in the sky? 
obviously. Yes. Uh, James Tynan and Michael Delanis are coming out with a new wind sequel series, which was always intended called the throne in the sky. Uh, this continues their series in wind from boom studios. And uh, yeah, this is a highly acclaimed, also highly selling series wind. What I want to know is why change the title? That's a bold choice. Cotton. The little I know about wind and the little I know about this uh -huh. seems to imply a tonal shift. I've only read the first, you know, trade of wind and I loved it. I thought it was really playful and fun. This looks uh, gloomy and mm. harsh. Uh, Especially Greg Capullo's uh, variant cover. Yeah, that uh, leather jacket, gnarly wolfberg man does not feel like it fits in that first trade of wind it makes me think the first uh, story arc was about the main character kind of understanding who they are and their identity and now they're, we're getting like the teen years where they're a little rowdier <laughs> maybe <laughs> they go to metal shows now my real night. dad exactly exactly did you take my car last night shut up dad speaking of yelling and getting angry in our last bit of news People were really upset about the standard comic script template that was released earlier this week. Uh, the Comics Beat announced it. Uh, Women Writer About Comics also had a great interview with the uh, creators of this script. This was uh, created by Steen Stewart and Camilla Zhang. Um, so, really quick, it's a comic book template for comics writers or people who want to write comics uh, scripts. It's color-coded. It has uh, information in, built into the template for the letterer, for the editor, for the artist, of course. So it's, it's trying to pull off uh, multiple uh, uses, in a sense. You're not just writing this for the artist. There are other people who can read and get information out of it. And if you were on Twitter the day this was released, people were livid and people were excited. They were like, oh, this is great. It's going to work. Other people in the industry, like comics editors, who I won't name, or comics artists, were like, F this. If I ever saw this, I would throw it in the trash. I can't even understand it. It's a waste of time, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we're just talking about it because why so mad? <laughs> or maybe you're mad, Colin. Maybe you're on the other side of the fence and you hate it too. I'm fully livid. I actually think, you know, do you remember being a teenager and dreaming about writing comics and there was never any information you could yeah. find about how scripting or anything works right uh i think it's a it's a great resource for people that want to use it but uh nobody's you know making this comic book law by any means <laughs> right like there's an edict that has been passed and from here on out you must uh use this template the comics the uh, code authority will come back just to to enact that law <laughs> no zombies no vampires and you gotta use this script i saw one argument it was like oh there's so much nuance in different writers scripts i would lose that character if i you know started getting just this from all the different writers that send me scripts um which was a silly thing chip zadarsky on his Substack, wrote about it uh and he doesn't usually write about the the news so that's another reason why i want to talk about this because it's like well if chip's talking about it, then it must be pretty big he said he loved it. He thinks it's a great idea. And he actually did a fake script of Spider-Man fighting Joker and like breaking his neck. <laughs> uh, uh, 
I really want to read the comic that the script has now put in my head for sure. At the top, he has in, for this purple text, which I assume is for the editor. It says 15 great pages, five okay ones. Totally a spoof. I'm sure some people saw this and thought it was real. But uh, what is, wait, okay, wait. Colin, I'll be Spider-Man, you be Joker. Do you have the script up? I will momentarily. All right, um, I'm, I'm going to read the Spider-Man uh, dialogue and then you read, you read the Joker dialogue. We're not going to read what's the action. That's okay. Does Joker have dialogue in the script? Oh, yeah, because yeah, he's... Okay, You're... let's go for it. God, my costume is straight up juicy. I hope this is worth it. I hope you enjoy the drugs. Tell your friends. And then there's teens. Absolutely, clown. Wait till they hear about these sick drugs. They're going to flip out. And then you be Spider-Man. Fuck it. I'm going to break that guy's neck. (laughs) End scene. Anyway. We are the best actors. (laughs) If you need to call us, uh, reach out to our agents. Uh, We'll be momentarily with you. We have a lot of projects lined up, including podcasts and future reviews. Uh, A lot of just stellar improv, if you can believe it. This whole show is improv, basically. In our next segment, Top Books of the Week, we're going to talk about our top two favorite comics. What was your second favorite book of the week? I would say my second favorite book of the week was X-Men number 11 by Dugan and Laraz. Uh, something about watching Jean Grey get mm. mad about some people targeting a series of planets just really stuck with me. Yeah, she, she slays in this issue. That's that cliffhanger been, too. Jean just in general has been slaying for the entire Krakoan age, but also for the last 60 years as well. So what did Karen Gillan tweet on Friday? It was something like, I feel like I spend 29 minutes out of 30 minutes explaining how, uh, how big Jean's hair should be in my scripts or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> something silly. Yeah. Um, Laraz is uh God, like primo, right? Like top three artists right now. If we had a wizard's, Top five artists, he'd be in the top three at least every every month, I think. Everything looks so shiny and lovable. Mm. Marte Gracia's colors are insane. The, the, the color artists today, I, I've said this on the show before, like if we gave the computer tools that artists have today and gave them to like Jack Kirby and artists back in the day, holy crap, what would we have then, you know? Probably something uh, just horrible looking. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like aesthetics change. Like, That's can you true. imagine the carpets of Jack Kirby's house and what color those look? Oh, like that's work, true. Do you, you know? get a shag carpet? Definitely, right? Wood paneling. Yeah, anything for the ashes of his cigar to get caught in. <laughs> well, you know, the answer to my question that I'm going to answer myself because I'm, you know, a narcissist is uh, if we brought those computers back to Jack Kirby, we would create, a, you know, a terrible time stream continuum problem here, where supercomputers somehow exist and then you know we probably wouldn't have been born and then there wouldn't be this show and then the listeners wouldn't be listening and they would be sad because they're not listening to the show would they be sad or would they be somehow existentially multiversal relieved oh you're right they could yeah they don't know why they're relieved on that uh sunday morning but they just know because they're not hearing our stupid voices. Something is slightly better than it should be. <laughs> but don't worry, there's a third voice coming on with Kyle Starks later in the show. And my second favorite book of the week was Eight Billion Genies, number one, by Charles Soule and Ryan Brown. Uh, this book was took me by surprise. I literally read eight 
seven, eight pages into it, I'm like, what is this book about? Even though it says right on the title, uh, the yeah, it says right in the title on the cover. Um, it's a bit of a spoiler to talk too much about what happens after the eight pages, but if you want to scroll, scrub ahead like a minute, maybe, uh, Basically, the first half sets up a, a, a wide range of different kinds of characters um, who all are kind of revolving around this bar. And then randomly, and I'm talking randomly, every single person on Earth, all eight billion of them, gets a genie. <laughs> and they all get one one wish. Uh, only one wish. And it, it, it quickly devolves from there. The the patrons of this bar look out the window and there are just insanity outside this window, which I'll talk about in a bit in a minute in the next segment. But like, just think about, you know, you've we've all done it, right? We're at a sleepover, we're at a friend's house and you go, what would your three wishes be? Well, in this case, it's only one. And it's kind of living out in this incredible story that has got your imagination going. It is... I 100% wouldn't have read this book if I weren't gearing up to be on this podcast. Mm. And thank God I did. Uh, just within pages, I was enthralled with what was going on in this issue. Yeah, the, it's 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 like it's like a crackerjack premise, right? Like Charles probably like just said one sentence, and the editor was like, "Can you have that to me yesterday?" Uh, I could see it as a really cool like TV show, like Lost style, even or something like that. It's it's really cool, and the visual styles are really good. Yeah, they they really go out of the way to uh, create a handful of uh, characters you can instantly care about mm -hmm. uh, in this in this bottle episode bar. So I can't wait to see exactly how this folds out. Uh, Ryan Brown uh, draws these characters in like really like hat hatched detailed penciled lines like they're like their wrinkles in their face are burned in meanwhile the genies are like these weird outlines almost cartoon characters and inside their bodies it's just like cosmos it's really cool way to like create this stark uh juxtaposition between the visual styles and really make things feel magical it seems almost as if they're uh like cosmic gingerbread beings gingerbread beings which the way that that pitch that elevator pitch goes means that nobody wants to read this book <laughs> that's shrek 5 where the gingerbread people rise up and give uh, wishes um what was your favorite book of the week and was it my favorite book of the week i think you know the answer to this David. <laughs> uh when i sat down to fill out you know, my picks for the week, I looked them over and saw that you had read my mind and chosen everything I love. And the Sandman Universe Nightmare Country number two uh, seems to have been the one you wanted to steal the most. It's true. There weren't my ideas. I stole them, all of them, uh, wholesale. Uh, but it wasn't it wasn't hard. It only took eight people and it was a heist of the century. And it happened in dreams. This one is written by James Tynan uh, with art by Lissandro Estherin, and it's got guest artist Andrea Sorrentino doing a couple pages. Uh, if you read the first issue and you're iffy, my only review is this issue will solidify the series as great. It gives you the, ultimately it fills out the premise, tells you what it's about and what it will be about, at least in this first story arc, which is really cool. I'm glad that we waited several decades before we 
started asking questions and uh, needing like a, a character exploration of characters from Sandman, like mm. the Corinthian. Right, right. Um, because I feel like if uh, DC Vertigo would have, you know, turned on their money presses back in the 80s, we would have gotten some really shallow mm. explorations of this world. Mm-hmm. And I'm really glad with their, how they're doing it now. Um, how it's curated, how it's got some really thoughtful, interesting uh, looks at characters that have been sort of haunting us for all these years. You're right. I, I think James Tynan said this in his Substack, but basically he grew up with Vertigo like us. I think he's around our age. And so when you read these books, it feels like you're back in the 90s on some sense, at least with the writing. The art too, I suppose. It's not your traditional like superhero comics art. It's it's more abstract in a sense, uh, which is really cool. And yeah, it's if you're up for some horror, it's not like spooky. Oh my God, I'm scared horror, but it's creepy. It's creepy. There's some creepy imagery in here. And also the exploration of the stacks uh, in the Sandman universe, um, really neat stuff. And there's characters that pop up that are familiar if you've read the Sandman uh, comics. It's a, it's a universe that I'm really pleased to be poking back into here and there. When are we going to get the, the Sandman show? Like Netflix still hasn't said anything, right? I mean, they've shown us so much stuff. You would think that it would just be able to drop Mr. or like surprisingly on a Tuesday, you know? Yeah, maybe they're holding it for Halloween or something. In our next segment, standout Kapow Moment of the Week question mark. (laughs) This is our favorite moment, page or panel that we had to pluck out and talk about. And somehow our picks are related to our favorite comics of the week. Who would have thought? Uh, Colin, what is your favorite moment of the week? Uh, There's a moment in the aforementioned Nightmare Country in which uh, our librarian friend Lucian is trying to research librarian some information for the Corinthian. And he has to be, or he's climbing up this giant bookcase, this massive beyond human understanding scale library that we're seeing. Uh, And down in the corner in the lower left, you got a a nice little mouse and silverfish friend. Just they're, they're just hanging out reading and just the, the mammoth possibility that is illustrated in that one page sort of blew me away. God, the whole scene was so cool. Like there's this idea that, uh, every book you could have written is in this library. That's so neat. Every every thought you've ever had that could have been written mm-hmm. as a as a story, <clears throat> and they've been so lengthy and so so huge that Lucian's using drawers to climb up a cliff face of books. Right. And it's uh, it's the sort of dream library. I mean in the universe, but also the sort of library you dreamed about when you fell in love with books as a kid. So true. My favorite moment of the week is a lot crazier, less meaningful. It's from 8 Billion Genies, uh, number one, and it is the scene... Oh, by the way, if you go to aptcomics.com, go to this podcast post, you can see this art in that post. Uh, there's a page where they 
look outside after a few minutes where everyone had genies. And there's already people in monster trucks filled with gold uh, driving what looks like uh, <laughs> the, uh, the what is it? The, uh, shoot, the, um, losing it. Uh, the mech, the mech from Alien shooting lasers out of it. There's a rocket ship piercing someone through the chest. There's a guy who's a giant. There's a castle in the sky. There's a dinosaur. It's, it's mayhem and chaos all wrapped into one. And good Lord, I sure hope we don't all get the ability to make one wish. Wait, isn't that the Wonder Woman sequel plot? A little. Yeah. Uh, I, I love how this, uh, this splash has just 20 people flying. Just right. like the most pedestrian wish. And everyone's made it. Just a, right. a handful of people flying around. That's true. Um, the book has a really great mechanic where we see the number, the 8 billion number of the human population and due to wishes, it's just slowly counting down. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, this splash really shows the sort of zany, ridiculous deaths you're getting. It's funny. Like you think the genies are a good thing, but clearly not based on the chaos. Moving on to our next segment, top books for next week. What we're looking forward to out next week. Uh, what are you looking forward to, Colin? Uh, I'm looking forward to excellent number three. Uh, Peter Milligan, Mike and Laura Allred returning to that. Uh, the Allreds, you know, pop art style superhero reality show mayhem. Um, the first two issues have been sort of... Uh, building a scaffolding for something that I think is going to be really exciting. Um, and this third issue, it seems like they're meta textualizing us by having guest star, Dr. Stephen Strange, um, despite the fact that he's dead in universe right now, <laughs> right. It will 100% help this issue sell a little bit mm. better with multiverse. I wonder if that was the intention. Maybe that's why they held the book for so long. It was delayed for a full year. <laughs> that would be a really, <laughs> you know, terrible reason. It like, would be. <laughs> the editorial explaining that to Milligan and the Allreds. Like, no, we got to, because in the third issue, you have a throwaway <laughs> cameo. Synergy, baby. Synergy. <laughs> Um, I'm looking forward to New Mutants number 25. We both picked X books by Vidya Yela and Rod Rice. Uh, this one features magic as the ruler, queen of limbo, and the sorcerer supreme. Look at that. We're both picking Doctor Strange related things. Um, it's Well, that or Marvel is. <laughs> that's true. Um, it says here that uh, Vidya Ayala and Rod Rice rekindle an old flame for a whole new generation of magic lovers. What? Madeline Pryor is also prominently featured on a lot of the covers, which is intriguing to me because if you've read if you read the Free Comic Book Day Spider-Man comic, shockingly, this is a bit of a spoiler, Madeline Pryor shows up at the end of that story. Oh, what? What is she doing in a Spider-Man book? She's an X-Man character. We don't have the um, answers. Well, maybe you do. I mean, obviously. They they send me this stuff months in advance. <laughs> um any Ileana story that they want to uh, take my money for. I'm yeah. willing to just give as much money as possible. Uh, I 
I love the character. I love uh, that it seems that this new art is following her. Um, mm-hmm. Seems to be that she and Madeline are going to be duking it out for Limbo, which mm. is, you know, fairly cool. Yeah. Uh, I feel like magic is almost like a like, like the modern day Wolverine in that she doesn't get a lot of stories. You want more, but the more you reveal, maybe the more they get tainted. That's just a quick take. That was the complete opposite of a description of Wolverine, what you just provided. <laughs> what, that we don't know anything or we're doing everything? The, it seems as if they, uh, at this point, have told us yeah. all like 275 years of his life. That's true. Um, moving on to our next segment, judging by the cover junior, we're going to talk about our favorite cover art out next week. And again, if you go to aiptcomics.com and go to this podcast post, you can see this art in full. I picked, um, a spider punk number two cover by Ba. This cover rules. So we've got spider punk in a crowd being carried and every other, other spider men characters in the crowd shooting webs up into the sky as if like. I don't know. It's like a battle cry or something. He's got his guitar in his hand and he's doing, he's throwing up the horns just like totally cool. Like he, it's like he's rocking out at a concert and they're all digging it. All these Spider-Man characters. I know it's not really related to the, what's inside the book. Cause it's not a spider verse title. It's actually set in like spider punks universe, but it's a rad cover. I think the whole aesthetic around spider punk is just genuinely caring about uh you know this 50 year old genre of music and i'm way into it like the main cover of this issue doesn't it have uh taskmaster with a full-on like danzig devil lock yeah which is Um, so rad yeah i'm i'm into it i uh and I've, i've got a friend who's just what you know punk is Oh, you got to get him these variant covers. Yeah, he uh, he's he hasn't even read it, and he's sold on just nice. you know buying as many of these covers as possible. That first issue sold so well; I think it, people couldn't even find it in the stores. I am into it. What was your favorite cover? Uh, mine. I have not been reading Catwoman at all, mm-hmm. but I saw the Jenny Frisson cardstock variant of Catwoman number 43. And it is so pretty. It is such a beautiful illustration of glammed out Selena and her little purple kitty. <laughs> um, and I just, I think it's just a stunning piece of artwork. They've, it seems like there's a little bit of a uh, trend of, characters wearing clothing that match the background splash yeah so it's like almost like they're invisible there's that uh rogue cover where the the cover is green and so they only draw the yellow portion of rogue's 90s costume and i i don't know what there is about that aesthetic but it it's very striking it it creates such a beautiful negative space to play with and this one uh, does it with her evening gown, uh, and that's pretty delightful. Delightful, almost as delightful as our interview with Kyle Starks, which you're about to listen to. 
I'm with this is Kyle Stars. Kyle, you have I Hate This Place coming out May 18th next week. Thank you so much for being on the AAPT Comics Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me on and talking about my book and whatnot. It's always fun to talk. I like to talk. We're going to do some talking. You do. This isn't your first interview at AAPT. And uh, man, I think we've run a review of almost every one of your books. Sex Castle, for instance. Amazing. Love that book. Thank you. Uh, AIPT did a really, it said a lot of nice things about my Rick and Morty run also. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's Notably, right. like notably AIPT was always, oh, I read past issue like 12. They kept reading. and I loved it. Yeah, that's something that rarely happens with comic sites. So just after like the first three issues, so many drop off, right? Yeah. Well, speaking of first issues, though, I hate this place is coming out next week. And you probably get this question a billion times, but I feel like our listeners need to know what is the elevator pitch for this series? Love the elevator pitch because there's no pressure, zero pressure. Uh, <laughs> I hope I do a good job. Here's the very short elevator pitch. Um, I hate this place slash uh, fuck this place, uh, which is the original title, which you can still get if you tell your retailer you want it or if they ordered it because they're cool. But nice. to be sure, you have to order it. Anyway, that book is about a couple who inherits a ranch, and it is awful. Uh, it is just a cacophony of terrible, different sort of horror genres in one place. There's lights in the skies. There's ghosts that have murder touch. There's something in the woods you're not supposed to mess with. There's a demonic entity or a dark entity of some kind uh, wandering the countryside. Uh, maybe there's a, you know uh, a desperate hitman hiding out as one of their employees. Uh, so yeah, it's like, it's going to be great. It's about these two girls who are trying to, these two very normal, sweet girls who are in love, trying to survive the worst place on earth. I think you could have said that in elevator while Steven Spielberg was standing next to you. Yeah, he would have been like, but who's the market for it? I'd be like, it's, every, it's everybody, come on. Don't, don't try to trick me, Steven. Everybody. He is a trickster. I feel that it's pretty interesting that you just told yourself open ground to explore any horror concept that you have any inkling to look at. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when I thought about the this ranch, um, and I actually, I sort of got the inspiration for this ranch from uh, a, I'm doing air quotes, real life place called Skinwalker Ranch in Utah. Mm. Um, Skinwalker Ranch, I heard on a podcast several years ago, and it's basically a place that had like UFOs and cryptids and like some like witchcraft stuff. And I was like, I haven't ever heard of a place that's got everything. Like you only ever get one terrible thing. I've never heard anything. I've never heard of this before. And I, I thought about the setting. Um, and yeah, that was what really more than anything drew me to the idea is like, I can go, cause this might, I, I've only done comedy uh, really to this point. And it's like, man, they might only let me do one horror book. So I'm going to try to do all of the horror books uh, as much as I can. Um, like I said, the ranch is, is sort of a paranormal nexus. So, I mean, there's everything on it. Um, so it does really, like, you know, this is first issue. There's there's lights in the sky. There's ghosts. There's a slasher killer. Um, and then there's creepy wood stuff, right? Like, and it's going to escalate. Like, I'm going to do a lot more. I have big plans. It's an ongoing. So I'm hoping oh, nice. uh, I get the support to do uh, whatever an ongoing in 2022 is. 18 issues? Let's do 35. 18. <laughs> I'd be pleased with 18. Um, I'd like to do uh, 50. Um, but yeah, that's what that's really one of the things that's really exciting to me. Um, I always say like setting isn't a story to me and it's not. Um, and characters aren't necessarily a story either. So, you know, me being really interested in this place wasn't, it's just, an, it, it was a seed of a story, right? So mm -hmm. uh, really the challenge was to find a story that would happen in this weird place that would really interest me and I think interest readers. Uh, but yeah, being, I'm going to get to play with all the genres. 
Uh, yeah, I'm like, let's get a haunted doll in this. I don't know if I can do haunted doll, but uh, we, we might, where there's a I mean, will. Clowns, right? We gotta have clowns. It, there, if I get to 50 issues, there's going to be a haunted clown doll, you know? You should make this like a Kickstarter where there's tears. If you can get to 10 issues, there's a clown. If you get to 20 issues, there's a spider. If you get to 50 issues, Stephen King shows up and murders everyone. If I if I thought that this would ensure sales, 100%. 100% I would do it. Uh, we're just gonna, what we're going to do is tell a good, creepy story that's got a, a lot of heart to it. Um, and so it's a bunch of creepies that hopefully feel uh, familiar but different. Mm-hmm. That's Really, my goal is to do things that I haven't seen before, but not to try things that would turn people off or feel like stretching too hard. Right, right. Uh, and I think I've done that. We, we got the first five issues in the can, and we're pretty stoked about them. So. What do you think the, the key to balancing a good horror and love uh, story might be? Yeah. So I think, I think I have a couple of answers. Uh, I have a two-part, possibly three-part answer to that, because I feel like you know, I've always done action comedy. Um, and I've always done action comedy sort of in a way where I think there's there's an underlying heart or something that's important and meaningful underneath it. Uh, though it's, I don't I don't expressly say it right. Mm-hmm. Um, always like like we mentioned, Sex Castle. Sex Castle is very much about the effects of a parent on a child and how our own choices shape our lives. As much as it is just an '80s love letter to '80s action movies. Um, like I always try to do that thing. So um, it's something I've always done. Uh, and I don't know how to explain how I do it, how I get where's right at, at what time. I think it's just my voice. But my second part of that is like, I, I've always liked things that have both. Um, if like really put on the spot, like, oh, what's like the funniest thing in a movie? I'd be like, oh, it's whenever Schwarzenegger did like a pun in Commando, which isn't a funny movie, right? right? But I, I like having those little things in there. So like the thing is, it is the balance is that because it's both. Right? Not even so much a love story as it is a story about people who are in love. Um, because they're not finding love, they're not romancing each other. Like they're happily married, um, which I th- I think is refreshing. Um, I-, I always like it when you see happily married people in media because there's people who are happily me- happily married, you know. So it's a nice thing to sort of see represented. And also, like especially when you open with people are happily married, when something terrible happens, then maybe they won't be happily married, and that's that's another fear, right? Like that's another terrible, awful thing to happen. Um, and that's another thing I'm wanting to play with. But I think like I think having like like nice married couple in terrible situations, like I was saying earlier, something that as a horror trope, 100 percent familiar with it. Like Amityville, uh, Poltergeist, like na- like it's just normal. That I'm so in- I'm more interested in normal people in terrible situations, which is the same for comedy. So having these sweet people in love, like who are being put on trial by this awful place uh, in so many ways, is to me more the real fear than. Uh, what's in the woods? Something awful is in the woods. Something terrible is in the woods. Not just one thing, like a bunch of awful things. The woods full of terrible, awful things. But to me, like it's scarier to think I brought my wife to this place. You know, I put the one person I love in danger. Like it's not just like so. There's like, some just guilt. Taking, yeah, it, and uh, <clears throat> it's more than guilt because it's it's dangerous, right? Like it, it's not just the guilt. It's also having to constantly contend with it. Mm. You have to contend with what could happen, mm-hmm. and that you. Put, you sort of made it happen. Uh, and I think that's a terrible, frightening thing for me. And like I said, that's what really interests me as much as I can p- potentially do a clown, haunted clown doll. Uh, I'm going to have to figure this out. That's going to be arc five. Get, let's get to 50. Um, but it, the real fears to me are not being able to, like they're stuck on this ranch. They're ostensibly stuck on this ranch um, where they can't let it. That's awful to me. Like thinking about that's awful to me. Um, the two main characters, Gabby and Trudy. Gabby is a real sort of... Um, Thing, like things are meant to happen, good things are meant to happen, and sort of a, a optimistic 
silver lining type. It's like, well, now you're in the worst, like, good luck finding the silver lining here, dear. Um, like, that's tough when your whole, and Trudy, who's her wife, um, is a survivalist. So her whole thing is always to be prepared, is to always have a plan. Like, well, what's your plan for murder ghosts? There is no plan for murder ghosts. Like, imagine how difficult that is that you, you, you've spent your life making identity of surviving bad situations, and now you're here, and drug here by the one person you care about. Um, I hope that, I think that's an answer. So there's and themes. They, kiss, they love each other. <laughs> that's where the love comes in. They kiss. There's themes here of like hopelessness, which sounds a lot like what we just went through or what we're still going through for the last three years, isn't it? It's funny. Someone pointed out to me how these people being sort of stuck inside their house, inside this domicile, yeah, surrounded by these awful things where they can't really leave their house, nor can they sort of go past the awful thing. They can't even leave the area where the awful things are is a real metaphor for the pandemic. And I was like, I, I was like, oh, yeah, totally, exactly. <laughs> um, right, but I didn't right. think about that way, but this was, you know, um, I had told, I, Kirkman, uh, Daddy Kirkman always comes and sees me at New York Comic Con. It's very sweet. It pleases me every time. It's a very kind thing for him to do. And I had mentioned sort of how the setting several years ago. Yeah. And he was like, he's like, yo, I love it. He's like, let's do it. We should do it right now. He's like, why could we do it right now? And I'm like, I, it's not a story. Like, I don't have it. You just saw so the pandemic. I'm out of a place. I just want to. I just want to ask him if he thought it was a good idea or if it's a right. dumb idea, right? And uh, when he's the like, pandemic the came around, yeah, he's like, "Let's do it." And I'm like, "I don't, sir, um, sir." I just heard a podcast, <laughs> sir. Um, but when the pandemic came around, I reached out and I was like, "Hey, you know, I'm not doing 25 shows this year to pay my rent, right? Uh, is there something that you guys are looking for?" And he's like, "Yeah, you should do that thing that you told me about like two years ago." Oh shoot! So it's funny how it did. It did come literally. I think I think I reached out to him December of the first year of the pandemic. So, but I thought about it before. So, just interesting how there to me there was there was an, uh, a crossover mm. when I already had the idea. Right. But like my the sort of the worldview for sure I'm I'm sure has played into it uh, because I don't know if in 2019 when I was a professional cartoonist and I never left my house if you said hey but what if you couldn't leave your house I'd be like who gives a shit like it sounds great I like it here right, right. um whereas That's two life. years of not leaving yeah two years of not leaving I'd be like that sounds <laughs> terrible to me I mean just imagine having to wash Ritz crackers for six months until you realize washing your crackers and your <laughs> yeah wiping all those boxes down yeah yeah listen I, I'm gonna do it all over again I do it all over again so I have a question about the title uh fuck this place <laughs> I hate this place was it always supposed to be two titles or was it? No. So how absolutely not. was it frustrating when in that had to change? No, no. It's not frustrating at all. Uh, in yeah. fact, I, I'll tell you the story. I pitched this book as Fuck This Place yeah. uh, to John Moisen. Uh, when we, at one point, Skybound was like, well, we, we're not sure on this title. What, what's an alternative? Yeah. And I really, I came up with some alternatives. And in the end, I was like, this is the best title. It's that's the exact tone I want for this book. It's it's what I would say if I was in this awful place or in any horror movie. I'd be like, fuck this place. Fuck this place. Um, I thought it set a real tone of sort of an aggressive, like not um, like not a static response, like an, sort of aggressive enough to show, like things are going to happen. Like this place is awful. And I thought it set the perfect tone. Um, and then, of course, Eric Stevenson was like, the, you know, the retailers don't like this. And I'm like, oh, yeah, because it has a dirty voice. Cause it has a dirty word in it and it'll yeah. be displayed on shelves. And I, it, it really shows a naivete on my part hmm. um, because I didn't think of that. I just thought about, you know, how like uh, Charles Foreman, I just did into the fucking world. I'm like, there's sort of a fuck, a fuck is sort of being more accepted in, in pop culture medium. I thought it was, I thought it was the best title for the book. Um, 
I hate this place. It serves the exact same function. So I'm not upset. I I, I, like, I feel a little silly because we really did sort of fight for that title. I was yeah. like, this is why it's the best. Title. And I broke it down. Uh, and someone should have been like, yeah, but sales. I'd be like, oh, yeah, well. Did you have like charts? Whatever you want. Yeah, and, like whatever red you want. string. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had a bunch of other curse words, like ranking uh, fuck <laughs> versus the other curse words and why it was better for this title than other titles. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I wasn't. I, I wasn't frustrated. I honestly wasn't frustrated at all because as soon as I mean, Stevenson sent one email, and he was like, "The retailers don't love it, and yeah. we'll do two. We'll just do two covers." Like that's what we did for Scotty Young. Now, uh, I do wish, I do wish maybe I didn't call. It the, I didn't make the exact same change Scotty Young did when he was in the exact same situation. Uh, like maybe I could have gone with a "We hate this place," or I just didn't think of like how he uh. he made the same choice. So I saw Scotty, and I'm like, "Oh, we're doing like the extended." fuck i hate universe for comics now (laughs) and i can't wait like i can't wait to see who comes up behind us it really adds more to the to the expanded i fuck i hate universe what does scotty say yeah he's ha ha you know scotty like he's like ha ha he's a cool guy he's a cool guy (laughs) that's a really good impression i think he i think he was i think he was busy he was a little busy at the time too so i was like all right good talk nice Nothing ties the thing thematically together so much as hating and fucking. So <laughs> that's life. True. Um, speaking of all the uh, the menagerie of horror, you mentioned in your afterward how much a fear of not being able to find an answer to something uh, strikes you. Oh yeah. Uh, and I, was, I, I imagine that's probably something pretty generational for those of us who have always just looked things up. Uh, how does that exactly play into how you see the book going forward? Uh, I, it, it's in many ways the impetus of the story. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm old enough that I was like a, a fully realized human in many ways before the Internet when you had to know stuff. And even up until before, like Wikipedia, right? I mean, you, or YouTube really expanded. I didn't know stuff. It's like I've quit doing that. I've given up on it. If anything happens, I just Google it, right? Um, right. And it's so rare in modern times that you come across something you can't just Google and find an answer to. Uh, my dishwasher didn't drain the other day, and I was like, "Oh, I don't know what to do." And it's like, "Oh, just run it again." Google told me, "Just run it again," right? Right. Um, I had some plumbing issues. I just Googled it and I saw a YouTube video on how to fix it. Uh, but like uh, literally this week, my dog hurt her leg oh, I think, no. and she wouldn't get up. She just wouldn't get up. Uh, she was just laying where she was. Yeah. I'm the only one here. Um, uh, I don't, I, where I live, I don't have, I don't have uh, associations really. I have one, I have one real life friend. My dad passed away last December. So here's my thing is like the dog's got to go to the, the vet. The dog weighs 60 pounds and doesn't like to get picked up. Yeah. I have two other dogs. How am I supposed to get this dog into my car? There's no Googling that. And literally, right. the sense of dread that overcomes me. Because it's like, it will happen. One way or the other will happen. And there's probably a smart way to do it and a dumb way to do it. But it's like, this dog doesn't like to get picked up. She's hurt. If I go to lift her up, like it could be a, like a weird fight where she gets hurt more. Uh, that type of thing, it really does sort of make my, my blood run cold. And I, I think it is really generational that I don't have to know things anymore. Right. Uh, this can only get worse. This is a different horror book entirely. <clears throat> Someone else smarter than me will write. Um, but it's like, yeah, I don't have to know how to do things. Um, I don't even have to retain it, honestly. Um, but that sort of fear is also, like I said, that's that's really a lot of what uh, Trudy's character will go through because she's so used to knowing what to do. 
um, because she's competent and she has skills, but they're not particularly applicable here in the way that she would be comfortable. Um, they'll be tested in ways they haven't been tested before. And I think that's terrifying. Um, but these girls like very much an uh, issue two spoilers An issue two, they're very much like, well, let's, let's figure out how to solve this problem. And it's like, well, you can't Google. How do I, well, you can't, it's a burn stage. You can't Google. What do I do about my haunted murder ranch full of monsters? And there's no answer for that. There's no solution for that. So some of some of the story in this first arc is them sort of trying to figure out. It's truly you can fix like it's like an investigation, right? Like you can get. Surely you can just talk to somebody and they'll resolve it for you. But it's like, of course, that's not how it's going to work out for them. It's going to be terrible. Only bad things are going to happen to them. Are but there solutions? Think, are there ways? Well, I, I mean, listen. This, this I, I plan to go fifty issues. You know, <laughs> yeah. um, and that's and that's part of it. Because the thing is, like to me, when I heard about this, when I heard about this the Skinwalker Ranch is real place that yeah. has everything. My first thought is, well, why? Like, why? But why though? Like, why that place and not another place? And I, I, I really want that to be sort of an underlying tone for this book is at this stage, they're not trying to figure out why, but for certain, this place is this way for a reason. Right. And that will come across as the story goes <laughs> on. Um, and all that plays back. Is there a solution? Uh, I mean, that place is pretty effed up. Uh, I don't know if there is, but there might be. There probably isn't. But I got a lot of story, and we're gonna we're gonna dip in and out of that uh, to try to figure out if there's a solution. Um, what scares you, Kyle? Uh, I mean, for for sure. I, actually, I, like uh, like Colin referenced, I, I wrote about it in the back. Um, not knowing what to do is very upsetting to me. Um, my loved ones uh, being in my the idea of me putting my loved ones in danger is more upsetting than them just being in danger. Um, and that's a part of the story. I definitely don't like bugs. There will definitely be bugs. Um, when it comes to horror movies, uh, I like all horror movies. I love them. Unless it's body horror, that's an automatic nope. Uh, <laughs> Kyle Starks, Kyle Starks cannot do body horror. Uh, my good friend, Benita Serrano, uh, who's at Benita Serrano on Twitter, does a great horror recommendation list every year in October. And whenever a horror movie comes out and he's talked nice about it, I'm always like, Hey, and he's like, yeah, you can't watch that one. And I'm like, oh, man, because he knows, like, I just can't. I saw I saw The Fly when I was way too young and yeah. uh, it, it goofed me so hard. Mm. So uh, and I think all like I'm diabetic, right? Like, no joke, right? I found out uh, my, I thought I beat diabetes, which you cannot do, by the way. Um, yeah. My body's actually dying on the inside from my from what I eat. And I got this rash. Um, so right now I'm living an actual real life body horror. And it's so upsetting to me when it's just like a mild, like bumpy rash. Mm. It's like, dude. I've been to the doctor twice and you know, they're like, just, just put the cream on it, dude. But oh, that's what bothers me. But I don't like bugs. I don't like body horror movies. Um, I don't like uh, real life human horrors more. I say like, I've done a bunch of these interviews. And I'm always like, I'm not scared of ghosts or monsters. I'm not scared of like, I'd be the first person dead in any horror movie. Cause I'm the one who's going to open, swing open the back door and be like, see, there's nothing out. And then something <laughs> takes my head off. Right. You'll turn that's around. Me. Yeah. Yeah, it's like there's always to me there's always a logical there's always a logical explanation there's always a rational explanation, which is why not having answers is, is something that upsets me. Mm. But also sometimes those answers being terrible is more upsetting than not having an answer. Right? Sometimes it's like, well, it's cancer, and you're like, well, that's worse than a monster because <laughs> I might be able to shoot a monster. Right. Frankly, right. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm scared of, thing of, of human things like more, than more than anything else. And body horror movies. I can't do it. Have you, was it like uh, that new Cronenberg trailer? Oh my God. The as weird. Soon as, as soon as, 
as soon as it started, in my that they should have shown the titles like not for Kyle Starks. Kyle Starks, you're not allowed to watch. I'd be like, thanks, thanks, Cronenberg. That one looks intense, and the, and the act the the actors they got for it insane too. I saw like a talking armpit, and I outed. Like, I, I just turned it off. I'm like, it's not for me. Like I love, sorry, Cronenberg. So you don't like we the know. thing? The thing is in your alley. You know what? I like the thing because here's the thing. Here's the thing with the thing. Yeah. Like, the, it's more of like, like the head's chopped off and then it grows legs. That doesn't bother me. Okay. But like, if someone slowly transforms. Oh, okay. Okay. If someone slowly transforms and losing control if, of their body. Yes, it's the agency. And if it's forced, if it's forced on somebody, that's more upsetting to me. Or if it's like a weird, uh, so like if it's like a weird like to- like torture. Um, medical torture thing, yeah. Um, where they're like sewing like wings on. I, I, I'm out on that too. Um, so, so yeah, like, Immortal like, Hulk is okay, but a skin totally rash, okay, not okay. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If someone someone just changing shape doesn't bother me, like a werewolf doesn't bother me. Mm. It's literally it's generally if it the fly is a weird one because they they made the choice and they were pretty happy. The old Brundle fly was pretty pleased with it, but it's like man, that's a top shelf no no. I think I've watched. I, I think I've watched, every now and then I try to watch it mm-hmm. again. Yeah, overcome your fear. And I make it, and I'm just like, this is it's too messed up for me. It's so fucked up. And I watch it, I'm like, it's so. What if did you, those special effects at the end are just bad? It's too much. What if you won a competition and you got to watch it with Jeff Goldblum, but you had to watch it to hang out with Jeff oh, Goldblum? I, absolutely no. I mean, I can watch him. I just don't like. I've I've made. It's it's not even so much that I think I have like such a visceral response to him. Yeah. It's like I just don't enjoy it. You know. Mm. It doesn't even that because the, the fly is a great like the fly is an outright great movie. It's a great yeah. story. Yeah, I just he's got those little pussy warts all over him, and yeah, his fingernails yeah, yeah. are falling off, and I I can't I can't party like that. I'm just too weak. That's my I'm allowing myself the one weakness. So it's just like I know I, I know even when it's well done, I'm trying to think of another one that I saw, and I'm like this is good, but I don't enjoy it. If it freaks you um, out that much, Kyle, are you gonna not put it in your comic book? Can you not even? No, it, of course it's in there. Like, of course it's. <laughs> Listen, there's body horror starting like issue three. Like it's in oh, okay. there. Okay. That's okay. that's the thing is like the best way to tell these types of stories is is to really come from a place of my own fear. Um, and it's like I, my my suspicion is like a lot of the monster stuff, like the stuff that's like like I'm not scared of ghosts, but the ghosts in this book aren't like they're not individually scary. It's like it's more like a there's so many of them and the threat that they are and how they cause like because the, they sort of surround the house every night when it gets dark. Yeah. Um. And if they touch you, if all the ghosts, if they touch you, you re-experience their last moment. And if you don't survive, then you die. You die in real life, which I think is, is a very cool, like nice little twist on a ghost thing. Yeah. So like, are the ghosts individually like frightening, like a good ghost movie? No, they're not. But they're, it's like a, like zombie, more zombie-esque, right? Like they, they, they cause a problem that will need a solution um, or work around, or you'll have to figure it out. And like, that's interesting to me. But like, are, is there bug stuff? Yeah. Does it scare me? Yes. It's in there. And I think putting that stuff in there, it'll feel like it, it, I can, I can understand why it scares me. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I know why body horror, I know why bugs are icky. That's why they're icky and they jump and they try to bite you. That it's all those things. Yeah. Um, and they're from hell as much as it. Yes. And they're from hell <laughs> uh, as much as, as everything else. Uh, and I think like writing, writing what you know, in regards to that type of thing and thinking how it affects you and how can you, share why it affects you mm-hmm. to others in the story makes it frightening um and i think with comics like that's the best you can do for scares because you can't do jump scares so you, you kind of want to set a tone and sort of like make people understand the level of the stakes of the danger right mm-hmm. um and you hope they buy in i think i think they will i think 
Uh, people are real savvy about horror right now. Uh, I think this is uh, hopefully another good horror title to go along with anything Tinian does or uh, even Scotty. Uh, but there's a lot of good uh, Stillwater. There's a lot of good Ron horror v books happening on right something. now. Yeah. Uh, Ram V on anything. Come on. Pretty much. Uh, he's great. Uh, yeah, there's like there's a real horror movement. So, I, but I think there's good horror, and I and I think this will do the same thing. I think people, if you read horror, and you dig it. Um, and I think the thing is, like the people, it's not. I don't think it's horror heads. I think just the direct market has been like we now accept this third category for stories broadly, um, and it's because I think they're being told in a way that appeals to those readers. Uh, and that was definitely my goal: is to to, to not do something niche. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's to do something different, but that still anyone horror fan or not will enjoy. I think we did that. I tangented so hard through the course of that question into a weird promotion. <laughs> it was a journey. It was a journey. Yeah. We held your hand. We went through it. Um, given that you've drawn so much of your work, did you find yourself supplying some sketches of those things that truly horrified you to, to aid in the visual direction of the book? You, you know, so... Th- uh, for this book, I had actually made pitches, and I think we had a couple of scripts in the can before we finally settled on an artist, oh. um, which was Artyom, uh, who is great. This is kind of his first major work. It's his first like full-length American comic. Um, and because he came in sort of after the story was done, like generally you, you kind of want to collaborate on that, though I'm very type A. Uh, Chris Schweitzer would probably be like, he doesn't collaborate that much on story. Um, and we've done two books together, and he'd be mostly right. So for the design stuff, really, like, Artyom has a really unique aesthetic. It's why we brought him in. We, we all believe that he had a really good grasp on making things uh, unnerving, just visually. Um, so I describe things. Um, he really did almost all the design, all the character design. Like, I was like, Gabby's blonde and, and you know, Trudy has glasses. Um, and oh, he wow. kind of did his thing after that. Um, I'm a little bit more on those characters, but he, he really, I mean, like, you know, uh, Itchy, who's, uh, who's the, uh, the sort of slasher hitman who's on the, like, I like, he has scratch. I, I, I described him. Um, but other than that, like, if you see a character or a monster, uh, it, it was all Artyom. Does that include the, uh, that, the creature on the cover? That's like ominously. Yep. Yeah. The horned man, the horned man. Yeah. The, I mean, we, we went and we did a lot on the horned man. Um, like hopefully one day because I, I think I saved all that stuff I gave I did give like I mean I, I had to draw up this property because the property is such a character and it's hard especially like not being American like I don't like I who knows what things look like anywhere right yeah I mean I did I did a lot of like oh, the house should be something like this he drew the house I gave him references I did not be like I was like there need to be bay windows out front and you know garage like but he really went to town on all that stuff all and, I, and that's what you want I think like if someone's coming in and they don't get to collaborate on the story quite as much as sort of a, like a balanced creative team in that regard. Um, Cause I'm not drawing it, you know, I'm writing it. So uh, I really right. let him do as much as he can with, um, with design stuff. And I really like, I, it, it, you know, communications. I like, Hey, like, what do you want to draw? Like we can put some really messed up stuff in here. Like what kind of messed up thing do you want to draw? And he's like, ah, you know, whatever. And I'm like, all right, well then I'm just gonna keep doing what I would do and we'll keep doing it together. Uh, but he's doing a great job. Lee Lawton on colors is like, they have a really great, it feels unnerving. Um, it feels real and it feels unnerving. And I think like, that's really a tone that we want. Cause like I said, I want it to feel, I want everything to feel familiar, but different. Um, 
I want to be like, oh man, I haven't heard of a setting and a story in this place before. Oh man, I haven't seen a couple like this before. Oh man, I haven't seen a character like Itchy before, which you have, just not in this setting right. um, that I can think of. And it's not like I'm trying to like, I'm trying to to break the box, but I'm just like, what what would interest me? Like, what would what what do I want to you know? It's like I don't want to, I don't want to ingest a story I've already read before or some minor twist on a story before. So it's like I'm trying to make this a real unique place with real unique characters. And certainly it couldn't be done without Artyom and, uh, and Lee Lawton. Since Jason Bloom is probably listening and this will be picked up by Bloomhouse soon. No, just kidding. But uh, <laughs> I did want to ask. Uh, call Skybound, Jason. Kill them all. James. Uh, oh, yeah. Coming to Paramount. Do, do you have any news about that? No. I'll tell you, like, I've optioned everything. Yeah. I've optioned everything I've done. Even Sex Castle? And Sex, Castle Sex Castle was optioned before it came out by the Workaholics. Oh wow! Uh, is that is like a month before the release? Um, Sex, Sex Castle. Uh, you know, I I never thought like Sex Castle was just going to be a nice like making comics was just going to be a nice little hobby for me. But when I did Sex Castle, which was I just making the things I want to read in the world, which I'm still doing. Yeah, putting the thing out there that I want to ingest. Sex Castle was just I was like I I wanted to I wanted to make the best '80s action movie that never was. But it was, to me, it was real dancing in the dark. It was just a nice hobby that rather than costing me money, made a little money, but it got optioned. It got nominated for an Eisner. Like suddenly I got asked to do Rick and Morty. Like all these things happen. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, like now it's not just a little hobby. And of course now it's my, it's been my career uh, for five years, but it was, it was Sex Castle was such a huge hit. Um, I just put out a book called Old Head from Image in October, which is a horror comedy. I say comedy is like, what does that mean? It's amusing, uh, but it's, it's a horror book. It's about uh, a guy basically finding out he lived his entire life next door to monsters. And anyway, um, have you ever lost your thoughts so so <laughs> so dramatically? That's um, fine. I, I'm, fo- I'm following. <laughs> well, you're talking about other projects. Are there any other projects you want to plug today? Old head? Maybe old head. It came out. <laughs> Do you know what your own name? Be... Do you know your name? Yeah. <laughs> what was What was I talking about? Honestly, I can't believe I old uh, head. I mentioned for a very specific reason. Uh, you were talking uh, about how popular sex castle was and it, oh yes o- yes yes opportunities so so, so yeah. old head which no joke like if you were like if we we're doing this if, if we're, this interview was about old head and you're like give me the elevator pitch i would give you the elevator pitch and i'd be like ah, that's not even really it uh-huh like there's no good there, i can't explain it in a way that lets it's you like know seinfeld it's chris weitzer it's a comic about yes. nothing <laughs> it, it, yeah but it's not it's a comic about it's kind of about too many little things that pile up and turn into a bigger thing. It's like, huh. well, which one of those little things is important, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and it also, like, I don't want to give anything away because there's like three great twists. But Chris Schweitzer, who's my long-term partner, he did six, he drew six, he did all the art for Six Sidekicks. He did all the art for Mars Attacks. He colored Old Head. He colored Rocky the Mountain. Uh, he's like, it's your best book. And it's like, I, it, there's a case to be made for that, I think. Mm. But I can't sell it. And here's the thing. Old Head was going to be my second book. I was mm-hmm. going to do Sex Castle. I was going to do Old Head. Yeah. I was doing basically books I like. This was sort of this um it's sort of this ex-nba player meets fright night thing that was really fascinating to me about toxic masculinity because vampires are basically metaphors for rape and about legacy because i have daughters it's about this man's this book that's dealing with toxic masculinity as he is with his daughter trying to keep him safe finding out his mother was a vampire hunter anyway but it's gonna be my second book and i there's no way i could have sold that Mm -hmm. there's no way that i could successfully sold the idea of this book and so I got the yip because I, I, no one cared. I was like, I was just making things and no one would care. But once Sex Castle sort of broke out and everyone's like, oh, I can't, I can't do Old Head next. I have to do something else. 
And my wife also correctly said, if I put out two books and they were called Sex Cats on Old Head, I would be the dumb title guy. That is also very correct. <laughs> I don't know. So I waited. Oh, those were cool. I, I waited. Like... Yeah, so but it's saying president. Fuck this place. <laughs> yeah, and then I didn't fuck this place. You know, seven years later, five years later, or whatever. Um, but yeah, I'm not great at titles. I mean, or I'm really good. It's tough to say. Uh, but yeah, it would have been my it would have been my second book, but I, I I like no, it's too hard to sell. So I did Kill Them All, which is basically a '90s action movie, John Woo love letter. Uh, sticking with what I did, and I did Rick and Morty because I love Rick and Morty, and it all led into other things, like Rock Kitty Mountain, which is um, you know a hobo kung fu story as one does. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I waited I a whole that that's show. Six cats. Show or TV? I want that in a TV show or a movie. Which one, Rock Candy Mountain? Kung Fu, yeah, Kung Fu uh, Hobo, yeah. Yeah, that was option. Uh, nothing ever came of it. Fingers, fingers crossed, it'll come back around one day because that's a good one. I think it's, I think it's my, I think Sex Castle and Rock Candy Mountain are essentially my best, objectively my best books. Um, Directed by Wes I think, Anderson. Uh, Edgar Wright, can we get Edgar Wright today? Are we, oh, are we that would be dope. Fan cast? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, are we going to fan cast? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, who should direct so, yeah. I Hate This Place? Uh, who is the biggest? Uh, Jordan Poole, just because I want to meet him. How's that? Okay. I love that guy. I think it works great. He's made two movies, and I'm like, look how good he is. I mean, he made a great... Listen, as a guy who's done comedy his whole life and then switched to horror, like, I want to work with Jordan Poole, right? Like, he gets it. He knows where I'm coming from. Like, what was the Fast and Furious director? Maybe he could do it. He's 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 uh, he's free right now. Why not? That guy knows, that guy knows how to make money. That's true. Let's That's go. true. Make me some money. Well, Kyle Starks, I Hate This Place or Fuck This Place is out May 18th in a few days. Thank you so much for being on the APT Comics podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me on. You guys, uh, everyone can follow me. I'm at the Kyle Starks on my social medias. And, you know, I love to interact and blah, blah, blah. Sell books, buy books, whatever. Let's talk. <laughs> Sounds great. DM him right now, everyone. <laughs> yeah, DM me. DM, everyone DM me. Your favorite horror movie. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said that. That was a mistake. <laughs>